Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So I imagine that all our listeners are at home, and yeah. I often imagine our listeners at home, but I particularly imagine them at home because we're all at home. And when I've been at home, reflecting on how tired it's making me, for example, just to be at home and not be going into London, something came to mind, and I thought it might be a very useful idea. Um, the, the, one of my favorite things about it is it's called a sense, S-E-N-S-E, like sensing something, sensing your, your five senses, uh, a sense-making framework. And uh, if you're like me, then you might feel like the world doesn't make a whole lot of sense right at the moment. <laughs> so a sense-making yeah. framework would sure be useful. And uh, so I, I thought we might talk about that today. How do you feel about that, Jeffrey? I, I think it sounds great. Uh, I, I, we knew that we'd have to do something related to the uh, um, virus situation uh, um, this week, and uh, I think this was a good one. Excellent. So the first thing we have to do is I haven't managed to tell you what the thing is called yet or what the what the, the method is. And the reason is that its uh, name is Welsh. And here's a hint. If you want to name something and have people use it, don't use Welsh because uh, it's extra <laughs> complicated and uh, difficult. Um, but actually, it's pretty easy to learn to pronounce this, although spelling it is something you'll have to do by looking at the title of this uh, podcast episode. Uh, so the way you pronounce it is that you, first you say the word Kevin. Do you want, do you want to do this with me, Jeffrey? Absolutely. So Kevin, do I have that right? Yep. And then put a n in between the ke and the nevin. So it's uh, in the evan. So uh, it's between the k and the evan, you put a n. So it goes k-nevin. Go ahead and try that. Kevin. Yep. Kevin. Yep. Perfect. Kevin. So always just, if you get stuck, and it gets very easy with this word to get stuck, just say Kevin first and then put the n in, and you'll be saying it like you were Welsh, I think. And I do think we should at least do spell it out for people because if you go look it up, you see in the show notes, you might think it's not what we're actually talking about because it's spelling so unintuitive. It is. Go ahead, Jeffrey. You spell it. It's spelled C Y N E. F-I-N. Okay. Uh, Kenevin, yeah. So um, I, I did hear Dave Snowden uh, talk about this once, and he said that this is in part the response to um, all of the people using uh, Japanese phrases. Ah, he wanted to use Welsh. Exactly. If you're going to pull in uh, some uh, um, slightly esoteric term from another language and uh, and uh, do that, well, you know, guess what? We can uh, I can play that game too. <laughs> so uh, I thought, fair enough. So now we we know how to we now we know how to say the name and we know how to pronounce the Kinevin framework, but but what is it? Yep. So um, it, it's a, a a visual framework. So it has a, a visual representation that's very helpful. And Jeffrey, you found a, a wonderful diagram that's um, I still haven't managed to look at all the bits of it because it's so um, uh, uh, colorful and and uh, full of detail. Uh, so we're going to link to that. And it's a um, complex. It's a complex. Um, uh, example of um, uh, the the standard diagram. Well, we will also link to the standard diagram. Uh, it's imagine uh, a square cut into four pieces um, in the way you'd expect four square shapes, but make all the lines wiggly. So uh, all the <laughs> the vertical and horizontal lines that cut the the square into four equal squares are are all kind of wiggly and wobbly. And then in the middle, you've kind of carved out a piece in the middle that's of um, uh, a chaotic not very ordered uh, shape, and that is the domain of disorder. So from the lower right um, and going counterclockwise or anti-clockwise, um, so the lower right quadrant is simple, the upper right quadrant is complicated, the upper left qu quadrant is complex, and the lower left is chaos, and then the middle is this weird shape for disorder. 
So I always mix up what these all mean and how you use them and so on. And I even made a mistake in our book, which Jeffrey thankfully caught. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and, and an early reader also caught it. So um, uh, Jeffrey, could you help us? What, what do all these domains mean and when do you use them? How do you use them? Okay. So I'm going to talk about it, uh, my understanding of it. And I will also say that I am not an expert. So if there's uh, experts of Kenevan who um, spot mistakes in what we say, please do uh, write in. We'd love to hear back from people. We'd love to get the correction. And uh, perhaps in the future, we can get an actual Kenevan expert uh, on on the podcast. However, sure. what, I've, what I've seen it used as and how I've used it is you start by, by trying, you have a problem and then from that problem, you're trying to say, well, how should I move forward? And the framework uh, is there to help me uh, make sense of the problem and how I might move ahead. And so uh, if I don't know where I am, then uh, I'm in that uh, disorder section. I'm in that sort of gap in the middle. Uh, so when you describe the wiggly lines, these aren't just uh, lines. These aren't just borders between the different domains. There's like gaps. You know, you fall into the gap where you're not quite sure where you are in, the, in that big gap in the middle. So uh, if I'm not sure where, where my problem represents, uh, that's my starting point. And now what I do is get enough information to try to figure out what domain I'm actually in. And then uh, I, that will give me a clue as to how I should next move. So that if we go back to sort of the, the non uh, disorder ones, as we said, were simple, complicated, complex, and chaos. And I've also seen simple also described as obvious, because that's uh, the idea is that that's kind of how um, the, the solutions relate to the problem in the simple domain is that they're they're pretty obvious. So can we go through these and, and uh, have a look at what the, the actions are in each one? I thought we might actually link it to current events. You might think about how in, in uh, our response to this virus challenge we're all um, uh, confronted with, how might we respond in, for some problems are going to be simple and some will be complex and so on. How, how does that sound? I think it sounds great. And uh, for, for the listeners who are following us along, this is something that Squirrel, you and I are doing in real time. We haven't we haven't mapped out uh, all of our answers here. So we're essentially going to be making sense between ourselves of if we agree or not about Indeed. where these things fall. Guess what? We might disagree. That would be good. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's start with a simple domain. And um, each domain has what they call the action mode, how you proceed. So mm -hmm. in, the, in the simple action mode, you sense the situation. Oh, wait a and, minute, wait a minute, um, Jeffrey. So, so what is simple first? I mean, I kind of have an idea what simple is, but how do I recognize when I'm in the simple domain so that I can apply the action mode? Oh, okay. Um, well, it's also called the obvious domain. And the, the idea here is that these, this is sort of well-known, well-understood. Um, you know, the, it's the domain of best practice. Mm -hmm. So it's a place where it's, um, the things are um, uh, tightly constrained. It, when you look at it, everyone uh, will... Uh, uh, agree that it's simple. It's, it, you don't need to be an expert. This is this is a domain where um, everyone looks around and, and would say, "Yep, that's that's straightforward." Now they may not always have um, knowledge of all the possible solutions, um, but they can understand that what we're dealing with is a pretty straightforward, um, very mechanical, tightly coupled situation. You know, the the input and outputs are are tightly coupled and uh, simply connected. So um, making a sandwich. Might, might, might solve as a, a simple problem. I, I have bread and I have peanut butter and I have jelly and I want to make a, uh, a sandwich. It's, it's going to be pretty straightforward. There you go. And uh, to take an example from the, the, the current situation, uh, well, if I know that other people have a disease, staying away from them is pretty simple. 
I might not know how it's transmitted. I might not know all the um, ins and outs of the biology. I might not know um, even how to spell epidemiology. But um, like, don't go near people who are coughing and sneezing when there's a um, a virus about. That's pretty simple. I can apply that that social distancing rule um, with, without a lot of knowledge needed or a lot of preparation. Yeah, that's right. And so if you if you kind of look at the three steps you have in simple, it's it's number one, sense the situation, two, categorize the situation into a known bucket, three, respond with a well-known solution. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that you'll have seen in, in sort of the public education is people, you can see that the messaging coming out from the governments uh, follow this uh, category saying, you know, here's what you should be doing. So for example, um, if you've been out, uh, it, like that's some situation, you returned home, uh, you should go wash your hands. And when you wash your hands, you should take 20 seconds and you should do it in a certain way that, you know, covers all the parts of your hands. Mm -hmm. So these, these, these are uh, simple actions you can put in with a simple trigger. And uh, the, the job of um, the government in, in communicating out to what people should do is to make simple instructions that the general public can follow. But the problem is that not everything is simple. So how about, yeah. uh, how about another of these domains? What, how about if we have a look at that? Yeah. Well, the next obvious one is complicated. And um, uh, it it's, uh, has some similarities with the simple or obvious domain, um, uh, which is to say that there is tight coupling be thing, between items and there's some constraints that are in place. Um, but what's different is that now, in a sense, those, the coupling between things are less direct. Um, they're they're and complicated, as the domain would say. And, um, but they're still there. And what, this, what the complicated domain is, is kind of the domain of experts. So um, unlike the simple domain uh, that you should expect everyone to be able to, to understand and follow and apply appropriately, in uh, the complicated domain, you really have experts who can come in and say, right, uh, I've sensed the problem. I can now analyze the problem and provide roadmaps. And then three, respond with a plan. Um, so this is a bit different than that sort of straightforward application of the simple domain because of the extra complexity. It's no longer something that uh, a random person can look at it and say, oh, uh, I know what to do. Or actually, someone may say that, but they're more likely to be to be wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. So to apply it in our current situation, it might be that I'm a, a nurse in a, um, in a hospital and I see someone come in and they have a high fever and they're um, having difficulty breathing. And I, I have sensed that they might have the um, uh, symptoms of the coronavirus. Um, my roadmap is give them a test and then um, uh, take them to the intensive care if they have more trouble breathing. And um, then I can follow those steps because I'm uh, carefully trained. I know how to apply the test. I know how to understand the results of the test. And I know how to run a ventilator. So you and I, Jeffrey, <laughs> probably don't know how to do any of those things because we're not experts. Right. Um, conceivably, we could learn. That's one of the characteristics I always think of in complicated. It's like if I really tried, I could figure out how to drive an F a Formula One car. or I could learn to um, uh, 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 run a ventilator. Um, maybe there's some skill that is special that uh, they'll never develop, and that would still be the domain of an expert. But it's at least comprehensible. I can I can understand. Here's the plan. We're going to do this, this, and this. Um, it's um, it's got some uh, um, comprehensibility to it. Yes, I think I like your example of triage because you can imagine as they're coming up with the different approaches um, as the situations evolved, they've uh, reanalyzed and reconsidered. Um, how they're going to be triaging people, how they respond, uh, and changing the plans as more information uh, becomes known. 
mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, there'll be parts of that of that plan when they put it into effect that will be simple. You know, there will be steps where they they've uh, said in this in this response there are times where there are simple steps that will be helpful. But overall, the context, the complexity um, of the overall uh, response plan is complicated and requires expertise then of everything else that's going on in the hospital uh, and how we expect this to uh, interact with our normal day-to-day operations. A relatively simple step could be count how many beds we have available, and if there's an empty bed, put this patient in it. That that I could probably manage to do, and that's a simple step, <laughs> but it might be part of a complicated plan of treatment for that patient. Yes, especially when it's things like, well, do, yes, we have a bed, but are they in the right ward? Is this, do they need to be? Does that ward need to be isolated? Do you know do, now how are people going to enter it? Do you need to be in um, containment suits when you do so, et cetera, et cetera? So there's yeah, a lot of complexity comes up, but there are elements that are that are simple. Mm-hmm. And that's how things can 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 move. This is something I'm very interested in: is how do things move from one domain to another? So something that we started with it was simple: count the beds, put the patient in the bed. Suddenly becomes more complicated, moves into the complicated domain. If suddenly um, you have to wear special suits in order to do it, or you uh, have to displace somebody and and judge about judge which ward they should be on, and so on. Yeah, I really that's a really good point because it is a case where. Um, as this knowledge gets more and more formalized, as our as our way of understanding the situation uh, improves, um, our ability to handle a complicated situation becomes better, and it becomes closer and closer to a to a simple one. Uh, especially the more that people have a common vocabulary, in a, especially in a in a in a subset of the population, um, you know, in in your office, you develop a certain where you all become experts <laughs> about some set of things, and now suddenly a lot of things seem simple that before were uh, more complicated. Got it. So how about complex? So that's where I start to lose it. So I, I this is where I made the mistake in our book. So um, I, I'd love to be corrected. I'm definitely not going to try to explain this one. H- help us out with complex. What what's going on in that domain? Okay, well, I'll tell you about complex. It's actually, it's um, in a lot of sense, it's it's uh, for most people who are into the framework. This is people's uh, favorite quadrant, and uh, oh yeah, and maybe maybe it's the one that that people used um, uh, too frequently because it's just it's way cooler than all the rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is the this is the domain of um, chaos theory and emergent behavior, and uh, the idea is that now we have uh, rather than having a tightly coupled situation where things are only loosely coupled, and um, and so there is still cause and effect. Okay, we're not in a, we're not in a world that's random, but a lot of times the cause and effect you can't really predict the effect until um, after it's done. You can't really understand the link between cause and effect until uh, after you've done it. So there's a property called retrospective coherence, meaning once the once the outcome has happened, I can look back and understand it. Oh yes, I can understand how every step happened. Um, however, it's uh, very difficult or even impossible to predict what the outcome will be ahead of time. Uh, my exposure to this, uh, in a sense, goes back to when I was in university, and I was got very excited about the book uh, by James Gleick called Chaos, and it was talking about the the new science of this world of of um, emergent behavior of fractals and flocking and all kinds of uh, fun stuff, and that sort of emergent um, discovered. Um, um, attributes are, are really what what was behind the complex domain. So it's not like complicated in in particularly in that there there it's not the domain of expertise anymore. It doesn't matter how much you know, you can't uh, uh, concretely narrowly predict 
what the next thing is going to be. Uh, um, so now what you need to do, rather than starting with sensing, the way you did in simple and complicated, right? Those And both of those had the first step of a sensing. In here, sensing comes later. You start by probing, right? You you probe and then you sense. Uh, so you the steps here are probe, sense, respond. So we, we, we'll try experiments. We'll try tests to see what happened, to, to gather knowledge experimentally, uh, and then um, decide uh, how to respond uh, mm -hmm. with the idea that at some point, maybe we'll be able to gain enough knowledge that we can actually move this at some point into the complicated domain, it, that it won't stay complex and uh, uncertain forever. Got it. So in our current we, situation, you, we see, go ahead. Oh, so you and I had a good uh, discussion about this um, a few weeks ago, uh, I think off podcast, uh, we, we were talking about this difference between complicated and complex. And, and I was talking about the example of weather forecasting, because mm, that yep. was a, a classically an example of, um, you know, the butterfly effect said, you know, that, that yes, there, there are cause and effect, but the um, causes can be so far away from the result that you aren't able to predict. You know, this is the butterfly effect being a butterfly flapping its wing in one parts of the world creates a hurricane somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That kind of uh, an instability or sensitivity dependence on initial conditions, to use the <laughs> phrase from from uh, the, the uh, um, study of chaos and fractals and whatnot. Uh, makes it so that the predictions aren't very good. And so even today you'd say, well, and, and therefore we have limits on our ability to predict the weather accurately. And you had a really a good response. You came back, but we're much better at it now. We, we yes, exactly. <laughs> we can be pretty sure that it's going to rain in the next hour. That we usually know. It's um, two weeks from now, we have no clue because there's too many factors. Yes. There's too much. Um, so some part of the weather um, prediction problem has moved into the complicated domain. I definitely can't tell you if it's going to rain in the next hour, but I know where to look. You know, the, um, the, the meteorological office here in Britain has a website. I can look. It'll tell me if it's going to rain in the next hour because an expert and a computer have, have worked on that problem. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a that's a great example of, of uh, the difference between um, making something that is uh, complex and therefore and not predictable, adding uh, doing enough experiments, adding enough data to a point where at least in some limited way we've made it a complicated problem rather than a complex one. There you go. So in our current situation, governments are trying to figure out what to ask their citizens to do. And we've seen publicly lots of probing. This is what actually first made me think of this. I thought, wow, this really feels like these governments are in a complex situation because we had some governments that were very restrictive and gave people bracelets and tracked where they were and mobile phone apps and were really restrictive on their um, uh, citizens' behavior. And some others were um, probing with other things. So here in Britain, we uh, had a, a, a looser approach for longer. And um, uh, we've seen the results of those. The um, problem is that, of course, no one going back in time, back, going back in time, we could now say retrospectively, this is the action that would help you the most to control the outbreak. But at the time, that was absolutely unclear. It was not at all clear whether the, the probes that people were trying were going to have um, uh, the, the right result. Some did and some didn't, but it could easily have been something else. And no expert could tell you. Uh, or rather, experts could tell you, but they all had different opinions. <laughs> so you had different <laughs> experts in different countries saying, let's try this. But they're really saying, let's try. They're not saying this is a well-known practice. This is something that's either obvious to everyone or um, there, there's a manual. There's steps you can follow. Do this. Well, I think it's, it's interesting in, in that there, um, I would guess that if you were looking at one dimension 
of it. You you probably could have made it a complicated problem. I would guess sort of the pandemic response uh, in China with lockdowns and things like that, or in, in other countries, it, were are complicated. They require expertise, but they uh, in a sense are not uh, complex because they. And, and the reason is because it happens when you've made a decision about how to weigh different factors. I think when you're early on, when people are trying to say, well, what's the right level of what's the trade-offs we want to make here between um, controlling the spread and the impact on the economy, say, just mm-hmm. to choose two elements. Yep. Um, that 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 interconnectedness, the play between those things, uh, and trying to figure out what the overall result would be, because that, and that's when we when we go ahead and, and we have these sort of unintended consequences when we tell people, right, stay out of all the um, public spaces, don't go to bars and restaurants and theaters. Well, what happens to people who are working in those bars and restaurants and theaters? Oh, yep. Suddenly they're 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 out of a job and and now they're home. Yeah, I want to close the schools. Oh, but what about the healthcare workers who now who have children? Oh wait, oh yeah, that's a different problem. And and I think this is one thing that happens a lot in the complex domain is we take one action and there's not just the expected or intended outcome, but there's all these knock-on effects and things are interconnected with one another. And that's where you get the sort of emergent result that isn't always what you predicted ahead of time. And very frequently isn't. That's how you know you're in the complex mode. Yeah, that's right. And so I love I love the the phrase that um, uh, the problems in this area are called you know wicked problems. <laughs> there's mm. uh, there, there's not uh, there's not uh, a good answers you can pick up off the shelf. And instead, you're sort of learning how to how to surf. You're learning how to <laughs> how to navigate through uh, the problem rather than mastering it the way that you could master a complicated problem. There you go. So how about uh, the last one, or at least the last of the four standard ones? Uh, what about chaos? What, what characterizes chaos? Uh, chaos really comes back to, is, we come to here, we've been talking about cause and effect. And it, when, and I think that's the, the way I think about the chaos domain is what happens with cause and effect. In the obvious domain, the, the cause and effect is simple, easy to understand, easy to predict, and complicated. It's in a sense straightforward, but it may it may have it may as it says be complicated. It might be hard to understand, but it's still manageable. In complex cause and effect, is still in a sense um, that it's straightforward that you can, but you may not be able to predict it ahead of time. You can, but you can look back afterwards and say, right, I understood how cause and effect work. In chaos, that that you, there is no connection to be cause and effect. There's at least there's not one that's understandable, even in in retrospect. So it's not a it's not a place where analyzing is going to do a lot to help you. Uh, and so instead of uh, sensing or probing the way we did in simple, complicated, complex, now in chaos we're going to act. We're going to act to try to um, stabilize the situation. So we'll act, and then we'll sense what happens, and then uh, eventually uh, we expect the situation to um, re- respond by moving into one of the other domains. So. Uh, chaos is, is, is often described as when, you know, kind of hell breaks loose, like all, all, all things are going on. There's too many things going on for us to make sense of it. We need to do first is try to get the situation under control. And um, it, rather than trying to uh, absorb and understand everything all at once, we're going to take some some straightforward actions uh, in, in the, uh, you, you want to try to get yourself you know, out of immediate danger, uh, and get get some place where you can uh, then begin to have a bit of time and space to figure out where this goes. And the transition here is from chaos uh, to disorder, uh, and that's the interesting back at where we started. Um, 
once you've acted to stabilize, now now you're ready to start asking the question that we we opened with, which is, okay, well, where are we? <laughs> what mm-hmm. what kind of problem? How do we now gather information, identify a domain, and then move ahead? That makes sense. So I'll take a personal example for uh, for chaos from our current situation. A few weeks ago, which seems a lifetime ago now, um, I, I innocently thought to myself, you know, I go to London a lot and I see a lot of different clients. I, I probably should get some hand sanitizer. And I innocently went to Amazon and I noticed hand sanitizer was awfully expensive. And I thought, I wonder how that <laughs> happened. And I now have some greater understanding how that came to be. But um, I've been on a quest for, for hand sanitizer for, for a while. Um, and even when I'm here, here at home, I still would like to make sure I keep my hands clean and, and, uh, uh, and, and so on. But especially when I was going to London, it was quite a concern for me because I, I literally might see five clients in a day and um, I don't want to be a vector. So uh, I tried a number of different actions, um, and the action that actually worked was uh, poking around in my bag for something else, and it turned out my mother-in-law had put some hand sanitizer in there the last time I went home for Christmas, just because she thought oh. it was a good idea. <laughs> so okay. um, that, that was quite a chaotic result for actually getting some hand sanitizer. And um, the way we moved it into another domain is that um, a, a neighbor and a friend um, made some hand sanitizer following a recipe. Um, and uh, she uh, gave me some of that. So now I have uh, kind of the official stuff and the, the made stuff. And the maids, I still don't know how she did it. So I guess I'd call that complicated. But we did, because um, I don't know it. And it's, you require an expert, not a lot of expertise, but some. And um, so we moved it, moved the problem of squirrel get hand sanitizer into the complicated domain, ask neighbor. <laughs> So, uh, uh, but it, I was really just acting. I was just trying lots of different things. And every shop I went into, I'd say, I wonder whether there's anything in the hand sanitizer aisle. Nope, there isn't. Uh, try, let's try another action. So I guess this, this is interesting because I think there is an element here where um, people may suddenly find themselves in chaos when simple things uh, don't work as expected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I expect that sometimes this happens when people are treating complex situations as simple and it, what they what they uh, receive at, at the output is something that feels like chaos. I've imagined for a lot of our listeners, the, th- the items that would feel most like chaos would have been something like with an outage where there's a lot of pressure, a lot of uncertainty about what to do. And because one of the outcomes of um, chaos is that you're off script. You know, mm-hmm. your, your, your run book, <laughs> uh, is, if your run book is working, then you're, you're not in uh, chaos. You know, you're either, you know, you're either in a simple one, you're just following the written down steps or you're in a complicated, we've, you know, we have a blueprint that tells us how to do, uh, what, what, how to react here. It's when, it's when suddenly it's like, no, we, we can't make sense of what's happening, uh, that you, you realize that you're in chaos and you just need to try to act to stabilize the situation. Um. What happens happens you're you're inventing what we call novel practice. You're trying something for mm-hmm. the first time um, because well, none of the, nothing else is working. So, <laughs> so we we've never tried this before, but let's see if it works. And um, yep. it's kind of unfortunate uh, uh, when um, the, the one of the questions that people will be debating is to how much uh, could we have been better prepared? How much could experts have prepared uh, um, contingency plans? Have uh, blueprints to try? Um, and, uh, and, and ready to go waiting uh, rather than, um, uh, at least for some places, being com- completely, uh, seemingly completely unprepared and then reacting in a uh, chaotic way where they, they're acting because they uh, are just trying to stabilize the situation, but they don't really have a thought out plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think uh, uh, people can probably think of uh, uh, examples in the news where that will, where that will come to mind as, as what seemed to be happening. 
And one thing that the Canevan framework helped me to do was to have at least a little more empathy for people in those situations, because in a lot of cases, when I applied the um, kind of the complex lens, I was able to see that they were they were probing, and there was some sensibility to their probing. It was pretty painful probing. I wish they'd had um, you know better luck in their probing to find um, uh, better answers more quickly. But um, in, in many cases, I could have more empathy and more understanding that, that there was some reason to the probing. It wasn't purely chaotic. So that, that was encouraging to me, and I hope it might be to some of our listeners. And of course, that they can apply it in more normal times, in more normal situations. And many of us are continuing with our, our work from home uh, in situations where their agile team it has an outage or uh, delivers something that didn't work, or suddenly all everybody has to work from home. And um, you're trying to figure out, is working from home uh, chaotic, complex, complicated? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, you're, you're in the domain of disorder, and I hope this framework might help you to uh, figure out new and uh, different situations uh, like those ones. One, one thing I really do hope it helps you with is the idea that um, that these different, the first ways that the framework helps is that these different domains exist. And so if you're in a situation where either with your work or you're looking at what's happening, you're saying, I don't understand why people don't just X, Y, Z. Um, you know, how come they haven't figured out you know, uh, ABC. It could be that you're asking for simpler or complicated solutions to problems that are actually complex. Um, and, uh, and, and when you try to respond to a complex situation as though it were simpler or complicated, you almost inevitably <laughs> end up falling into chaos. And uh, so understanding that the, uh, the domain you're in is, is important to avoid bad outcomes. And I'm sure this is something we'll be talking about uh, in the future, in our uh, future podcasts, uh, because the way this appears in the book comes down to human interactions, which is a lot of times people make the mistake of treating them as simple when actually human interactions are inherently complex. All right. That makes perfect sense to me. And I'm sure we will be talking about it more because we love human interactions and figuring out how to improve conversations um, in order to, to have better ones. Do you want to take us out, Jeffrey? Absolutely. And um, as, as we said earlier, if there are people out here who are familiar with the Kinevin framework, um, we'd really like to know what you think. Did, did you um, think that we mapped things correctly or do you think we, we, we missed some important elements? Uh, we'd really love to hear from you. Um, and if you tried applying this uh, framework, uh, followed our links and looked at the diagrams and gone and maybe done some reading and start to apply your situation, have you found it helpful? Uh, we would love to hear from you about that. And you can uh, get back to us either uh, on Twitter or you can go to uh, conversationaltransformation.com and go to the Troubleshooting Agile podcast link. And we have a button there you can hit to send us an email. Um, we'd really like to hear your stories. Excellent. And of course, we also like it when people subscribe. So we're we're here every Wednesday and uh, we're going to continue. We, we do these from our home anyway, so uh, it's uh, particularly easy to mosey over to the microphone and, and make one. So uh, you'll be hearing from us regularly uh, despite the, the current difficulties. All right. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.